0: Hello, everyone. It is Take, better known as Jay. Welcome back to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. It is another awesome day here on this side of the ground. I have a bottle of whiskey in front of me. I have John uh, from the Bourbon Finder here with me as well, which means it is time for another episode. We're really pumped about this one. We're going a little bit off the rails, but in a fun way, in a way that our problem is a little bit unique. We've got some cool I don't even say whiskey in front of me, I've got whiskey in front of me, you've got something else in front of you. So we'll say we have some cool spirits to drink. But before we get into tonight's episode, I want to clue you guys in. If you are listening from home, Whiskey Raiders is launching a bottle of the month subscription soon, which is an awesome way to sit back in your chair, sit back in home, uh, order one bottle a month, and then we'll hear about it here on the podcast, you'll get access to a virtual tasting. We'll dig into why it's cool and interesting, and they're always rated 90+. plus. You know it's good whiskey. So we'll talk about that more in a future episode, and I think it's time to get into the spirit. So how are you doing, John? I am ready to get into the spirit. I'm doing well.
1: I have a little pour of... Well, I have a rather fat pour of delicious (laughs) cognac here from uh, one of the single... Single cast that you guys selected through the Aficionados group, so I'm pretty pumped about that. It's really, really delicious, and I'm even more pumped about how good it is. But aside from that, um, you mentioned that we were going a little off the rails, so I guess I was kind of thinking this is more like familiar territory, but maybe that's just because it's familiar territory to me when we are off the rails.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, this is Whiskey Raider's podcast goes to france to drink cognac but jay didn't get the memo and packed whiskey in his suitcase is mm, kind you know, of is where i'm at with this i've, I've got a beautiful rye whiskey in front of me you messaged me and you're like ah, i'm gonna drink cognac tonight and yeah. you know i uh who am i to say no to that because cognac is freaking awesome but that that's that's the off the railness that i was speaking to
1: okay i just want to make sure that i was at least a party to the off the rail side of things which it sounds like i'm more or less the orchestrator of it which also makes sense to me
0: yeah, I would say I mean, we both go off the rails quite a bit, but if we if one of us went off the rails more than the other, I would give you the 1% advantage. It's definitely like a 51-49 off the rails situation.
1: I like that. That's a good way to look at it, too. <laughs> Pretty well balanced overall.
0: Yeah, you, you know, it it's good life is chaos. You you can't get into too much of a rhythm. You got to Keep things interesting. I have the Hughes Bell of Bedford, uh, their new toasted barrel rye whiskey, which is cool. I know it's just hitting in a couple of markets. Uh, Hughes Bell of Bedford is an old, old, old brand that's being revived by um, by a descendant of the brand. It's really cool. They're making Pennsylvania style rye. Um, They're bottling from MGP in the meantime while they get their stocks up and ready. It's just a cool product. It's a 52% ABV. It's six years old. I want to say it's going to be like sixty bucks. It checks all the boxes for new whiskey. Um, but I've got it poured here. So that's that's my on the rail Ooh,
1: that sounds pretty delicious here. So the let's see, the single cast that I'm sipping on tonight is the, ooh, this is a French word that I've not yet encountered. So I feel like the uh, New Englander in me wants to call it giboin. Uh, hey. I, I feel like the Frenchman in me would probably go with giboin. It is a 2002 Fimbois Cognac. So in and of itself... I already have a feeling that I'm going to dig every, well, I've already had it, so I could just tell you that it's really fucking good. Uh, The Fimboa region is usually one of my absolute favorites. You just get like this great big hit of like dark, chocolatey, fruity, oaky, like spicy. It's like a little bit of everything all at once. It's kind of like this flavor blast right in the kisser. So if
0: you haven't tried this, you should, because it's
1: really, really good.
0: Yeah, cognac is an interesting one in that John and I have been drinking cognac for a really long time, honestly. Just about as long as we have been drinking whiskey. But cognac is a region of France. Uh, You can only produce it making certain grapes, and Finbois is a sub-region there. Uh, That's cool stuff. I Actually, I have a bottle in the way. I haven't tasted this since we picked that cask. But the pronunciation, I'm ready to be wrong, I believe is Jibwan. Okay. Which feels appropriately French for a majority German guy. Like, maybe, maybe I'm just blocked from pronouncing French things correctly, but I think it's Gibouan.
1: Okay, it could be. It is far enough removed from a French word that I've ever read. I mean, my study of French was just, you know, through school and whatnot. It wasn't anything that I heavily pursued. So, for what we've got going on, I feel like we've done a good enough job.
0: Yeah, I'll take it. I, uh, You know, this Hughes is is drinking really nicely myself. It, it's kind of fun. Usually, John and I sit the same thing, and other nights we kind of go into a fireside chat mode and we we talk about a mutual topic and drink different things and talk about them, which is kind of the format for tonight. But this huge stuff, I mean, toasted rye is not common on the market. We got a lot of toasted bourbon, not a lot of toasted rye. And usually they come at a pretty big premium, but this is really delicious stuff. Like the nose is all waffles and a big rye spice and some big clove and gingerbread. Um, not like a, like an Ambrana or like any of those like really punchy, um, cigar blend cast, but this is, this is just beautiful whiskey outstanding so
1: i like the idea of going fireside chat with this it makes me actually think here uh, i think what i'll probably do is pull into our discord server here we've got a forum set up in there for specifically for podcast questions so anything from the audience anybody who has joined us in our discord server can just chuck these questions in there we can kind of pull through them review them other people sometimes add to them as they go and i think we might want to pull one or two of these out and just chat about it a little bit as we have our fireside evening.
0: Yeah, I definitely... There was one that jumped out to me that I saw that we've kind of been noodling on. I came in about a week or so ago. And this is kind of a... This ties right in. It's an unintended segue into sourced whiskey about Bardstown Bourbon Company.
1: So BBC and Sagamore, the once-sleeping giants that are soon to explode, I guess. It sort of feels like... I don't know if I would ever call them once sleeping. I suppose, I mean, certainly entered into the game a little quieter, Sagamore more so than uh, Bradstown Bourbon Company, in my opinion. But I think not including other brands like New Riff and Wilderness Trail in there might also be not doing them the right service either. Because I feel like in some ways these kind of those four really stand out to me as really up and coming brands who have already you know made it over number of hurdles that you need to to really establish legitimacy and whether that is being acquired or hitting a certain volume of liquid coming out or sourcing to a number of other brands i think that there's a lot to unravel there this is a cool question
0: yeah so why don't we go ahead and bring this up a level so the the question was are BB Co. Or BBC Co. It basically is Bardstown Bourbon Company and Sagamore Spirit, who are two different distillers. One's based in Maryland, uh, one is based in Bardstown, Kentucky. You know, were they once sleeping giants? And if they were, are they soon to explode in the industry? And I think that's an interesting question because ultimately the, the two companies exist in very different circles. And Bardstown Bourbon Company has always released a little bit of their own product, but they've existed to source and create brands for other companies and you know high net worth individuals, uh, investorships, you know, private equity and stuff like that. That has always been their model. Whereas Sagamore Spirit started by sourcing from MGP. They still release a lot that's a blend of, of different mash bills, whether it's MGP rye or their own rye. They've also been doing their own distilling. They have their own products at this point. So Bardstown exists to create new brands and Sagamore exists to bolster their own brand and they do do some sourcing, but not quite in the same way that Bardstown does. So I don't know that they need to explode because both brands are kind of doing what they set out to do. Like Sagamore will probably explode more than Bardstown. Like Bardstown, if you have $10 million in six months to a year, like you can go to Bardstown and create a brand and pop off and put it on shelves. And that to me tells me like, Bardstown's already working as it should like, because that's their business model. I don't think they need to explode. Like discovery doesn't need to win double gold and sell a million cases next year for Bardstown to be successful. And I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it.
1: And another thing too, another layer to the Bardstown bourbon company is that they're also building so much around the whiskey experience too with their on-premise stuff and what they're trying to do for the hospitality side and the I mean, borderline into the entertainment side, I think that that is something that few other brands even consider doing. Or I should say, have that desire when really they need to be focusing on just making good whiskey. So that other piece of that pie, I think, adds another interesting layer where I think you're right with I almost think of, it's funny that you mentioned MGP with Sagamore because it's almost like Bartstown Bourbon Company is like the M- MGP 2.0, like the newest right. version <laughs> of, this is the bourbon bubble version of the new MGP style where it's like they're, like you mentioned, they're cr- like creating and launching brands. They are the backbone of mm-hmm. so many new brands. And I think that that is a really, really monumental feat that they've accomplished in the short amount of time that they've been operating. So like when you compare it to a plant like MGP that was, you know, formerly under other names and has been a massive whiskey factory for as long as it has, I think that they've really got a unique, cool and massive footprint really for being a fairly newcomer.
0: Yeah. And to me, like Bardstown bourbon company it's kind of funny because if you abbreviate it, it's BBC, it's three letters, just like MGP, Midwest Grain Products, uh, which is now Ross and Squibb. And uh, M- like, Bardstown Bourbon Company is the MGP of Kentucky. Like, that is what like they sell their own products, just like MGP does. They have Rossville and George Remus and stuff. But like, I guarantee that a very microscopic amount of revenue for MGP is coming from their house products. And I would say the same. Bardstown who is releasing more of their own products but honestly like they are here to distill tons and tons of whiskey and to age tons and tons of whiskey and to make sure that brands that source from them always have the right supply and they're the only place I've been in the last several years in Kentucky where they finish a rickhouse on the property and then the crane just moves a hundred feet to the right and they just start over like they're filling warehouses as fast as they can build them and they have been building a rake house every couple months, basically just start to finish, start to finish, start to finish, uh, for for over a year now. It's just incredible their growth, and like it shows what their mar- Like they're here to serve the market in general. Whereas Sagamore is doing some sourcing for brands like Pursuit United, um, and maybe one or two other small uh, clients here. But ultimately, Sagamore is building their brand. They might use contract to help build it up, but they are building the Sagamore Spirit brand. And you know. I don't know if that'll ever explode, but they've been growing really quickly and we like them a lot. (laughs) Like we love the rye and I talk to them all the time. and We love to do single barrels of the rye. So I'd say like they're as close to popping off as you get. Like they're a successful distillery who is making lots of whiskey and getting in more states every day. That to me sounds like a pretty big success. Yeah. So I guess
1: if I were to rephrase the original question where they asked, are these two brands going to explode? Are these going to become giants in the industry? I think I would probably rephrase that into, have these brands already hit their maximum potential? What velocity are they going to be on or what trajectory do they have? Have they already flatlined or are they just about to plateau? I think that's a little bit more appropriate with this one just because these brands, as far as I'm concerned, they're both on the scene and they're on the scene in a big way.
0: That's fair. I I guess I was kind of taking this question as like, you know, we we talk about like, ooh, a new distillery like Green River, right? Like, ooh, where are they going to go? Are they going to get big? And then one day we're like, oh, gosh, they got big really quick. Like their products are hard to find or they're selling out really quickly or they're winning all these awards. And people, you know, that the one day where people are like, Green River who? And then the next day they're like, oh, like everyone is talking about Green River. And that's a weird conversation, I guess, or a weird, um, you know, Example for me because Green River just got bought by Bardstown Bourbon Company, which maybe Ooh. feeds back into <laughs> feeds back into like is Bardstown like a sleeping giant? Well, clearly not. If they're taking on huge amounts of investment capital and buying other distilleries and, and stuff like that, but um, you know, so much of the conversation around distilleries is like, hey, is this guy under the radar? Are they like, uh, you know, a bang for your buck producer? Are they cool, but no one's heard of them yet? To like, oh man, everyone's heard of this. It's hard to find. It's allocated. It's limited. I had to cash in a favor for it. It's more expensive. There's a secondary market. And I don't think we're ever going to see that with Bardstown Bourbon Company because they're working as they should. Like they will always get bigger, I think. But they they are themselves now. They have their own products. They're producing for others in just gigantic volumes they're good at what they do. Like people are using them more and more and more and more. People are moving their products to Bartstown. They're moving their bottling to Bartstown. They're moving brain development to Bartstown. And that tells me that if it was ever a sleeping giant, like it's awake now and everybody knows it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. That's fair. Overall, these are just, I think, a sign of the great times that we're living in in the whiskey world. I mean, we are, I know a lot of times it doesn't feel like it, but we are just so lucky to have, brands like this building the exact way they are and not following. I mean, there's plenty of other brands building on the, hey, look, we can source, blend, and package this up and sell it for 200 bucks or more. And whether or not it is what I or what you or what somebody else was think would say is a $200 bottle, that's going to sell. And seeing some of these other brands do this in a way that I feel like resonates better with me just makes me feel like these are still the golden days of whiskey like we are still in the good old days
0: i'm, I'm with you there and in my opinion would even be like the golden days are here and they're getting more elongated like there's more golden day sunlight every day and in case in point i mean bardstown has their origin series it's like 49 to 59 bucks for a well-aged weeded whiskey that's well-proofed i just had to the Green River weeded bourbon, which is like 34 to $38 based on your market. It's 90 proof weeded bourbon. It tasted amazing. It's one of the few recent memories I have of sitting down to review a product for Whiskey Raiders. And the review is live, so you can check it out now. And I finished the review and went, damn, that's good. And I stood up and I took my Glencairn with me and I was like, I'm done reviewing tonight because this is the only thing I want to drink for the rest of the night. And it was... I mean you and I have the incredible privilege, like we drink so much crazy stuff, whether it's cognac from like the forties or the fifties or the eighties or, or, you know, the early, early century stuff. Or if we're trying like crazy thousand dollar whiskeys and stuff but like this is a $40 whiskey that anyone can buy. That's super solid and amazing. And it stopped me in that moment to be like, this is great whiskey. This is all I want to drink tonight. Like this is perfect. Like this is a sign that whiskey isn't broken. Like the whiskey industry is in an incredible place. And also like, if you have 40 bucks and want to taste it, like you can go and get it easy as pie. Yeah,
1: man. I love when those things come through like that. Like, especially when it's totally unexpected. Uh, it reminds me of actually Ben Holiday when oh, they, and they were like, hey, we want to send you guys this to try out. And I was just like, Missouri bourbon? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> like, okay, send it. We'll try it out and we'll see, we'll see what happens. And it was those like, you pop it open and it instantly kind of hits you like, holy shit. <laughs> I I didn't really even know where to set my expectation bar so I didn't even bother and here I am feeling very very happy with this and that's one of those things for me that's just like okay I never even heard of any Missouri bourbon and right. this one pops up on the scene with a 6 year product bottle the bond like here you go this is great you're you're going to like it I was like all right yeah these are still the good old days man when something like that could just pop up out of nowhere And impress you that much after the thousands of different whiskeys and other spirits that we've tried. It's a reminder that we're still living in some really good times.
0: And I think that folks get really hyper focused, right? Like, there's contentious other brands that I think have good whiskey, but maybe, you know, speak to different people. Like, people are always like, oh man, like this brand is releasing a four year bourbon and it's 200 bucks. And like, oh, it's just the state of whiskey now. Like, I can't stand it. Like, it disgusts me. But like, also, we get $40 whiskey that's, Five six years old, like drinks really perfect. Like people don't always give the industry a fair shake, and they focus on the things that aggravate them without like thinking about all the other things. And and you know, like I said, it's a privilege. You and I have a lot of whiskey across our desk, and it's cool because we get to try a lot of the stuff. And usually, it comes to us. But at at the end of the day, it's still a reminder. Like there's so much more whiskey out there than there's ever been, as far as I'm concerned. Like there's always new brands. Like I think it's funny when people complain that there's like so many new brands, like, oh, the shelves are full. And I'm like, that's not really a con to me. Like, it just means we have more stuff to try, which, yeah, is is a lot of work. (laughs) But, like, there's some amazing stuff. And some of it's expensive. Some of it's not that expensive. Some of it's downright inexpensive. And some of it's just, like, incredible. Like, I love it.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you on that, man. I, I don't really even... Yeah, I don't have anything more to add to that question because I feel like it is a sign that everything is great as you know okay everything is not great but like everything in the whiskey world that is expanding and growing the categories especially american whiskeys in my opinion seeing these things grow and expand just makes me very very appreciative of the market that we're currently in and like sure i would love to be able to hop on a time machine and go back to the early 80s and scoop up all the premium bottles that were dirt cheap sitting on the shelf that nobody could touch now like i'd love to do that of course i would but also, if I were living in the 80s and like, man, geez, there's only like, I don't know, like a dozen or so brands on the shelf. Like, yeah, these are all good. I like them all. But like, what if there was like 10 times more bourbon out here that we could try and get our hands on and like rye whiskeys with crazy finishes and shit like that? Like, I, if I were living in that world, I'd be like, take me to that future. I got to go like hang out there and dabble in that. Right. So like, that, that's a two way time machine. So It's easy to look at it, you know, with the grass is greener perspective, but we're at, a good spot.
0: And, and like in the, the old days, if you wanted to know about something, you had to pay money and try it all of the time. Unless like there was a newspaper or something, or you had a bunch of friends. Like now we have the internet, like we have websites like the bourbonfinder.com or whiskeyreaders.com where you can go and get and be like, all right, there's a thousand brands. I'm interested in trying as many as I can, but you know, I've limited resources. Tell me the top twenty or thirty each year. Like we're doing that work and we're putting it in and, and the internet gives us a voice to be able to say, like, we we tried a bunch of crap, we tried a bunch of cool stuff, we tried a bunch of weird stuff, we tried a bunch of premium stuff, and here's what you should care about. And in the old days when you had a, just a few brands, like the, the whiskey hadn't popped off in the way that it did, and you just had to kind of figure out like back then people like became like a one brand household. They'd be like, oh, we're a beam family. Like, True, yeah. Like, my grandfather like would be like, oh yeah, I remember so and so. Like, cause I'll tell him like, oh, we were drinking with Bruce Russell the other day. Like, oh yeah, like your cousin or your uncle this or that. Like he was a wild turkey guy. He only drank wild turkey this for like 30 years. And yep. and today, like I'm sure that was cool because it was good back then, but I would so much trade the variety and access to interesting and cool and different and, and well priced things we have now to that old monolithic drinking kind of perspective. Yep.
1: I'm with you, man. And also you made, uh, well, you didn't necessarily make the point, but you brought up that we are basically doing the Lord's work here in that we are (laughs) trying plenty of garbage whiskey. And believe me, we try plenty of garbage whiskey. Uh, it doesn't all make the cut as things that we see as worthy of putting the review out there for. But we also get to try some very good whiskey and some really just downright weird shit. And we get to share that with you. So, Internet, you're welcome.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to go there, but I guess we did. Yeah, I mean, a lot of po- folks think that every year all of the best whiskey, like antique Collection and Van Winkle, show up in our mailboxes and nothing risky shows up at all. And I'm here to tell you that John and I try way more risky whiskey. Which is a bumper sticker I want to make. Risky Holy whiskey. Holy shit! Um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting some hockey jerseys made right now. We'll get bourbon on ice and risky whiskey. But but Jeez. really, for for every cool whiskey that John and I try, there's probably 15 to 20 risky whiskeys, and we try them. And sometimes we're like, hey, this is a cool surprise. And other times I'm like, dude, I smelled it. I couldn't even. I couldn't even get into the bottle. And so a lot of work goes into trying whiskeys for the pot anyways. But it goes to show that the the whiskey community. And the whiskey industry has never been more healthy because people are making more whiskey than they ever have before. And a small part of our job is to sift through it. So I guess a lot of words made short. I won't say we're doing the Lord's work, but we're doing a lot of work. (laughs) Once again, (laughs) internet, you're welcome. (laughs) I love it. Well, this is probably a good place to to cut the episode before we give ourselves any more more pats on the back but um guys this has been another awesome episode of the whiskey raiders podcast you can find more from john at the bourbonfinder.com uh, just a reminder in the coming weeks we will be launching the whiskey raiders bottle of the month where you can drink along with us every month we'll be curating awesome bottles we'll be talking about them on the pod we'll be doing exclusive selections you can find that on whiskeyraiders.com right now up in the title bar and as always, guys, I'm Tate, better known as Jay, uh, from WhiskeyRaiders.com. We're trying all the whiskeys. I'll have a review of this Hughes Bella Bedford out soon. Really delicious rye. And until then, we will see you in the next episode, guys. Cheers.
1: Cheers, everyone. And watch out for that risky whiskey. <laughs>